Brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. We continue our look at Father Malachi Martin's attempts to warn us about the state of the church in our time. This despite a odd, kind of new resurgence of anti-Malachi Martin propaganda out there, being repeated by, frankly, priests who should know better in the public eye. It's all very disappointing to see for sure, but... It is what it is. We just go along and continue to give you the information he gave us. It's worth noting, though, that these anti-Malachi Martin forces are going to have some egg on their face when the forthcoming works that are going to ex that are going to bring the receipts, as people say these days, will show that the allegations against Malachi Martin were unfounded. There's a lot of misinformation out there attempting to discredit him. I kind of wonder why that is. Perhaps the subject today will help us understand that. You see... Malachi Martin wanted to warn us about the reign of Satan in the church. I actually have a video from a year ago or something now, when I started this project, about the takeover of the church by the forces of Satan. And some people have a hard time with that. They tend to think that means that anybody who would say such a thing doesn't believe the church is indefectible, doesn't believe our blessed Lord's promise that the church would prevail. That's not true. The We do believe that. Our Lord just never told us the condition the church would be in. Except he kind of did. He asked, would he find faith in the world when he came back? Think, think about the implications of that statement and the implications on the other statements from Revelation. The Many biblical scholars have always interpreted the section from, Rev, the, from the Apocalypse of St. John, or Revelation, as it's called in newer translations, where the dragon sweeps a third of the stars out of the heavens with his tail. They usually imply, interpret that to mean that's a fall from the hierarchy from the faith, an apostasy from the church. If you think about it in that way, then everything going on today makes sense. And so we're going to begin here talking today about the effect of this sort of satanic infiltration of the church, its effects on the Jesuit order, and its effects on the, the world and on the, the laity more broadly. So we begin today with, of course, many people's favorite Malachi Martin material is interviews with Art Bell. In an interview he gave in 1997, Father Malachi Martin had this to say. He's asked by Art, Father, I've got an article here entitled, Two Eminent Churchmen Agree That There Are Actually Satanic Practices Going On in the Vatican. Could That Be True? To which Malachi Martin says, yes. And Art Bell says, you want to say that? If I was a lawyer and you were on the witness chair, I'd say you can say that out loud. To which Malachi Martin responds, out loud, yes it is. When we say at the Vatican, it's at a certain level. And there's no doubt about it that there have been and still are practices that are formally venerating Lucifer, the prince of this world. The Vatican has about eight resident exorcists. And he uses these both there and in two other cities that are devil-ridden in Italy. Milano and Torino. Milan and Turin. But there's no doubt about it that Luciferian practices in veneration of him and in service to him that these actions have taken place and do take place. Among such organizations, there is a prophecy that if they, the servants of Satan, can invade the citadel, that's their name for the Vatican, they will have power for a thousand years. To which Hart Bell asks, how close are they? And the response from Malachi Martin is very close, frighteningly close. Now later in the same interview, Art says, how will we know and how will you know if the church is literally taken over and that thousand years begins? To which Malachi Martin responds, we will know this by the series of facts which amounts to the following. 
that the basic beliefs of Christianity are played down to ground zero and do not matter any longer in the normal of society and of nations. Where those who are supposed to be the custodians, supposed to be the administrators of the word and distributors of his grace, where they have stopped all that and have taken to completely secular terms. And rather overnight, as far as I can see, it suddenly will dawn on people, hey, this thing has gone completely awry. And that was the exchange between Malachi Martin and Father or Father Malachi Martin and Art Bell, rather. It's worth noting here that a lot of this is, the the part we're focusing on is this loss of the faith in society. And this is, happens against the backdrop of a worldwide integration, something that he'll hit on later. The church has been the target by the elite for decades, this sort of quiet subversion of the church by those forces who are not even Catholic. They have always wanted to turn the Catholic church to their own ends in a sort of ironic twist of history. After all, at one point, the church used to work arm in arm with rulers to make sure that the moral order was such and the social order were such that the salvation of souls were it was best assisted by the state. The church's mission in the world was assisted by the state, and now it is very overtly undermined by them. And this partnership with the elite is definitely working towards that end. One only has to see the work that certain Catholic charitable organizations are engaged in now in very hot-button top uh, political topics in the world to see that being played in full display. In Malachi Martin's novel, Vatican, the priest states that a pact or peace accord of some kind had been struck between Rome and the world sometime after the fall of the papal states in the mid to late 18th, 19th century under the reign of Pius IX, which allowed the Vatican to have access to the new emerging integrated economic and monetary systems of the West in exchange for the overt hostility between the church and the stonecutters and their auxiliaries in various governments to basically come to a public halt. A conflict of words could continue, but real action would cease, which is exactly what transpired in the 20th century. The infiltration of the church commenced at that point, leading to the corruption of the church. One thing Malachi Martin said was that every single pope from Pius IX onward signed that pact upon the day they became pope. Something to worth, worth thinking about the implications of. Now, here in this next bit, Father Malachi Martin speaks to a show called Paranormal Continuum, which speaks to the effect this has had on the world and on the church. Quote, Everything is becoming integrated today. Evil itself is integrated on a world scale, and what before was practiced by small communities and small sections of communities, small little groups, covens as we used to call them, is now becoming the way of life and the way of thought of whole populations according as their morals and ethics are completely degraded and reduced to materialistic terms and hedonistic aims and a total this world view of things. And that is the reign of evil, and it is directly in contravention to the reign willed by God, who is the sovereign master and creator of all things. So that's the situation today. Evil is more organized, more integrated worldwide, and it comes out in the new age, which is the deification of man and the creation of man's habitat as the only aim worth having, whereas this is not God's aim in this life for human beings, end quote. Now think about that in relation to some of the recent Vatican statements on the blessings of uh, James Martin types and those in uh, irregular situations that contravene church law. The expansion of the sacraments to give those who are public unrepentant sinners access to the sacraments without calling them to conversion. The open debate on changing the church's morality and teaching on moral issues, all of it is happening against this backdrop. 
Those are the clearest signs of the infiltration in the church that you could ever ask for, not merely having a terrible Roman pontiff or alleged Roman pontiff publicly leading the church in this way, but the simple fact that this debate is happening against a backdrop of most Catholics not caring, or most Catholics, in the West at least, agreeing with the social revolutionaries. It's a remarkable turn of events, something truly eye-opening when you see it through long lens of history how it was not terribly long ago that Catholics would have said no to every single thing we see going on in the culture now. They would have said no to blasphemous betrayals of our Lord in popular shows pushed by Protestants. They would have said no to the mockery of the faith being done at sports stadiums. They would have said no to heresies pushed by Rome. But now, most Catholics kind of shrug. If they get bothered, they say, yeah, that's, that's terrible. And that's about it. They don't do anything. It's against this. The, the, it's worth reminding ourselves that this is the environment the church operates in and has operated in since the deal was made. Now, Father Martin turns his attention to the Jesuit order from his old religious order. Remember, this, Jesuits were often kind of thought of as like the Pope's commandos. They were the, they were the special ops for the church. They would go into places and preach the gospel to areas controlled by Protestants and bring whole areas back to the church. That was their mission. St. Ignatius of Loyola was canonized for a good reason. His religious order did amazing things. What has happened to the Jesuits is truly a tragedy in the long course of the history of the church. And it was Father Malachi Martin's old religious order. The infiltration of the church had this effect on the Jesuits with the imposition of secular norms on chastity impacting the order particularly harshly. So here's from his work, The Jesuits, quote, It was just as the process of relocation and reformation of Jesuit houses of studies was in its greatest period of ferment that the conference of top flight and highly placed Jesuit leaders who had first gathered in 1967 at the University of Santa Clara in California to begin the task of forming a concept and system of, quote, total Jesuit development issued its final report. In any context, that report, written as it was by important and influential men of the society, would have been explosive. In the context and environment that had taken hold by 1969, it was nothing short of a stunning blueprint for the rebellious lines that the Jesuits would follow in their war with the papacy and the traditional church in the 70s and 80s. The rebellious hue and cry against Humanae Vitae would pale against the rebellion legitimized, if not spawned, by the report of this Jesuit conference. To read that report is in effect to read a document drawn completely in the spirit of secular humanism and un-Catholic sentiments. Gone was the former idea of a Jesuit, one who fitted into a specifically Jesuit mold. Rather, the education and formation of young Jesuits was now to be organized and directed according to standards drawn from contemporary trends in science and humanism. The society would be adapted to suit the individual in a personal self-discovery, integration, and growth. Obedience was to be replaced permanently by consultation and dialogue between all in the community, including, magnanimously enough, the superior. Chastity was held to be impossible without the capacity to love, which is developed by the experience of human love. And this is not always exhausted by one's man love for another. A man's love for a woman and her response can add dimensions of sensitivity that might not be otherwise attained. The conference admitted that there were dangers here, but held that they had to be risked. While the sins of the flesh were not used in the traditional Catholic language in the conference report, the confreres thought that instead of marriage or celibate chastity, a third way should be open to Jesuits, intimate relations with women that would not involve marriage, formal or common law, end quote. And we see what that's turned into over the decades. 
now we see the uh, the highest profile Jesuits all preach James Martin's false gospel. They all have radiate that sin themselves. Why is that? It's because once you open the door to sins of the flesh, the rest come tumbling through. Yes, it's a slippery slope, but the slippery slope is really not a fallacy for a reason. Sin begets sin. It's a snowball effect. And the effect this has had on the Jesuits of all orders, in the long history of the church, the Jesuits were a shining star in the Reformation period. But what happened? They were corrupted. They were targeted for infiltration, specifically by the enemies of the church. The church could do very little about it because their hands were tied by that pact, and because they had lost their standing in the world in the early 20th century. All you have to do is look to see the reaction the popes received to their pleas for peace during the First World War to see that. But where does this led us today? Father Martin predicted a wholesale resistance to the rise of heresy. He may have been wrong about that, though. Sure, resistance had among conservative and traditional Catholics certainly exists and is on the rise, but look at how the number of Catholics who just accept the things that are going on, or even worse, defend them. They pope explain them away, tell you you have to fall in line with the evil blessings, that this is part of the magisterial uh, body of magisterial work, fiducia supplicants, and other kinds of things. Or, look at the number who've been scandalized by various things over the last few decades, and they simply walked away. The number of former Catholics out there is staggering, and it's not new to the reign of Francis. This has been a problem for a very long time. None of that can be dismissed or overlooked. Father Martin said these things in an interview he gave to Steel on Steel back in the 1990s. Here's the exchange he had with that host on this subject. It's very short. Quote, you know, John, if tomorrow the structure did go into complete heresy and godlessness, Catholics would no longer belong to it. They simply would have to hide in a corner and wait for this to pass, and for that structure to be destroyed by Christ, who will destroy all alien and satanic structures when the time comes. The host replies, That's what I tend to see happening. The structure is gutting itself, and at the same time, we have a lot of mainline Protestant denominations who are just rushing to get in bed with it. Malachi Martin responds, that's right, and you know, they themselves will be the first to go to the wall. The first to go to the wall. End quote. He calls everyone to resist, to wait out this program. At some point, our Lord will intervene and tear the whole thing down, and he will restore his church. That is the great promise here. Yes, things are dark, and they're probably going to get darker. But don't lose your faith, and don't walk away. Not for some schismatic group that left the Catholic Church hundreds of years ago, or some heretical group that left the Catholic Church or has no, almost no moorings to it and creates a Christ in their own image. The faithful will have to wait this out. The only thing he may have gotten wrong there is the idea that most Catholics would resist. I suspect if he saw things today, he might have a different take on it than that. I'm curious what you think about this in the about what he's saying here. This infiltration of the Church, this secretive pact made that he outlines in his novel Vatican... Many people read Windswept House, and it's a good idea to read it if you can stomach some of the stuff going on there, but it's very focused on geopolitics. I recommend reading before you do that his book, Vatican, which details essentially the history of the church from the 1940s to the 1980s. It's written in the same style that Windswept House was in, and it fills in a lot of the blanks in Windswept House. And it does detail that pact that started in the 19th century in the prologue to that book. I'm very curious what you have to say about all this, so let me know in the comments, please. Hit like and subscribe if you haven't, it does help. So does sharing this on social media, that helps too. And thanks to the viewer for this channel who and patron who actually helped 
uh, compile all the information for this video. I do greatly appreciate your support on this. Makes these makes these videos a lot easier. It really does. As does the support of the patrons of the channel. Makes doing this work a lot easier. So my thank you is out to you for that. So always pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.